Okay, here they come in. Steve and I take the responsibility of offering the Dharma to you, and we take that very seriously, that responsibility. And um, as much as we can, we want to impart the fullness of the teachings of the Dharma and not just uh, leave anything out. And I know it's been a short retreat, and um, but we've tried to uh, include many uh, parts of understanding that will help you to continue on your path, this path of awakening. We wanted to complete the understanding by giving you uh, a, a short Dharma talk about the understanding of generosity or dana, because at the end of the retreat, when we go home into the world, there is there are a lot of opportunities to practice this very important practice that we may not take as seriously as we do the other practices. When I first came into the practice uh, of meditation, um, Manindra talked about the three pillars of the Dharma, and that all these three pillars need to be understood and practiced as much as we can in order for the Dharma to rest on a very stable foundation. And those three pillars are dana, or the practice of generosity, sila, or the practice of living in harmony, the precepts that we take uh, every day, and bhavana, the practice of developing the mind through concentration and the development of wisdom. And so we have been talking about and giving airtime to both the practice of sila and the practice of uh, bhavana, developing the mind, developing the heart, concentration, and wisdom. But it, it, it's interesting that when the teachings came to the West that uh, first actually came the teachings of the development of the mind, because as in all other cultures, when the Dharma came into that culture, uh, the culture kind of uh, transformed or changed or brought out what was most important for that culture. So when the Dhamma came to the West, we had a strong culture of psychological understanding, understanding the mind. And so this is what we were all interested in. And so the pillar of bhavana was greatly practiced and a lot of attention around that. Then later on, um, and not too long after that, the understanding of sila, how important it is to really take the precepts of non-harming seriously, practice them in our lives, being mindful of them as well. They came into uh, more of the limelight and shared with the limelight of bhavana, or the practice of developing the mind, cultivating the mind and heart. And so um, now we really need to give dana or generosity this kind of equal airtime and to understand it properly. Because the way we understand it in the West is, and, and this is kind of to our disappointment sometimes because we both practiced in Asia a lot where the practice of generosity is 
in, in monasteries and for those yogis practicing is quite, um, t is taken quite seriously and it's quite uh, given as much nurturance as the others. So we, we want to understand how all of them are important to us and especially now. Uh, in recent years, as I began to say, we noticed that Donna was just this little envelope in the back that said, Dana. And when nobody knew what it was, you know, <laughs> who's Dana? What's Dana? What's Dana all about, you know? And so there is this little kind of like, um, I, I forget, it was, it was kind of like a derogatory term, the Donna rap, the Donna rap, <coughs> at, given at the end. And it, was, it had to do with just that envelope. It didn't have to do with, you know, the practice of Donna in the world, in our lives. And so this is what I want to talk about. And, and also to make it transparent as far as what does it mean when you give Donna to teachers. I think we should be on the level about this, put all the cards on the table and let you know what it's all about, just practically and more importantly, how it is in the world. How can we understand these spiritual trainings? Because all of them are spiritual training. Generosity, living in harmony, developing the mind and the heart, these are all trainings. When we practice all of these trainings, we're practicing letting go. And in just in simple everyday terms, it comes down to that. It comes down to letting go, this renunciation. In the end, what are we really letting go of? Greed, hatred, and delusion. These uh, thorns in the mind, these cow paths in the mind patterns. So in the practice of sila, we're letting go of our pro propensity to harm. And we're also developing harmony in the development of sila, or um, the precepts that we take. In the cultivation of concentration and wisdom, cultivating the heart and the mind, we're letting go of, in the end, wrong understanding. We're letting go of what is called in the Eightfold Noble Path. Uh, we're, we're developing right view. We're letting go of wrong view. And in the cultivation of generosity, what we're developing uh, is the opposite of attachment. Attachment is, as Steve talked about last night, the cause of suffering, the deepest cause of suffering. On the other side of that, of course, is um, aversion. There are two sides of the same coin. So when we practice generosity, we're really practicing also uh, letting go in a very direct way. So this is what's so important about understanding generosity and bringing it out of the realm of unconsciousness. You know, just doing our generosity because, of course, we're all good people and we all are generous. Uh, but how can we do it in a conscious way, not in a willy-nilly way or an unconscious way, but being really, as Upandita says, bringing it into the realm of wise consideration just in that kind of realm, as seriously as we take our sitting on the cushion meditation practice. It's a practice that is leading to freedom, bit by bit. There are plenty of opportunities to use it in retreat, 
um, and in our daily lives. One time I was, um, as I was helping Manindra, I think I told you the story, I was helping him to recover from uh, some uh, condition that he had, and he was staying with me, and we were constantly helping him, feeding him, changing the, his um, uh, bandages after surgery, and all of the things you do to help somebody get through something like that. And every day, you know, his generosity was he gave me a Dharma teaching every day, but it could be the whole day. He was constantly talking about the Dharma. <laughs> it was wonderful in a way. He'd ask him one question, and as Joseph would often point out when he talks about Manindra, you'd ask him a question, and he wouldn't stop talking until the last person in the room left. <laughs> you know, he would just go on and on and on about every aspect of that question, and that one thing would lead to another. So you always heard such a fullness. And one time when he was giving his uh, giving to me, his generosity, laying in bed and offering a teaching, he said, you have been practicing generosity a lot. Do you know that? And I said, well, I said, uh, I, uh, I practice it. It comes naturally. You know, I, I love you. So I practice generosity. It, it's not a hard thing for me to give to you. And he says, you can practice generosity in the way that you're doing. You know, just um, you, you do it because you're a good person. And there is a kind of a, a short-range... Um, benefit that comes from that, but ongoing. But if you practice it with conscious intention and you practice it with wisdom, there is a long-range benefit to that. And So do you want to practice with conscious intention or do you want to practice in the deluded way? You have been. They, he was so direct with me, you know, <laughs> just not even knowing why I'm doing it for and all of that. And so I said, of course, I want to know what I'm doing, why I'm doing it. So he said to me, um, this is uh, an understanding that you can take with you. When you practice by giving, uh, because of your act of giving, there is a karmic result from that. When uh, in giving, the karmic result for you is uh, an ease of well-being in the moment because of that giving. But there's also some kind of short-range um, experience and result of that giving, the cause and effect result, the result of that is there can be abundance in your life. When you give something of yourself materially, then that's how it comes back to you. When you give of your time and your effort, then in the same way it will come back. You know, it's, it's the, the Christian understanding too. And um, I always remember what my Aunt Esther said to me, if you you know, cast your bed, bread upon the waters, you get back a casserole. It's <laughs> a lot more than what you think. You know, I, I, I learned that not just from Manindra, but from my Auntie Esther. So I, so I sort of understood that, but of course I wasn't doing that giving to for that reason, because I wanted something more. It just came from giving, from the generosity, from letting go. It came from love. And that was, that's good when that happens. And of course, there's a cause and result, uh, the cause and result experience that goes on that way. 
But one of the things you can do is to know what you're doing and the long-range result of that. Because every time you, you give, you're developing beautiful qualities of mind and you're renouncing qualities of mind. You're, you're letting go of qualities of mind that are not onward leading to you. So when you constantly give and you give with constant uh, conscious attention, what you're developing is liberation for your own mind and heart. You're liberating uh, greed and hatred and delusion in your own. First of all, you're letting go of delusion because you know what you're doing in that moment that you bring mindful attention to it. You're, you're liberating or letting go of ill will because you're, in the moment of letting go, there's loving kindness. And so the opposite, uh, in the moment of giving, there's loving kindness. So the opposite of that is let go of. In the moment of letting go, in the moment of giving, you're really letting go of greed and attachment, which is the, the cause of suffering. And so all of these things are developed. Um, also, a compassion is attachment, is, a, is a letting uh, developed because we're letting go of cruelty. Sometimes we don't want that person to be happy, <laughs> you know, and give to them. And that's kind of a cruelty. But when you have compassion because you care about that person's ongoing and their, what they could benefit from in that moment or future moments, uh, this is compassion. And Upandita says when you uh, give, you also have to develop equanimity because to let go of your possessions requires this uh, balance of mind and heart. Also, if you really notice, Manindra told me if you really notice, uh, before, during, and after a moment of giving, it's surrounded by happiness, completely surrounded by happiness. Pay attention. Pay attention. In the moment of the thought of giving, in the intention of giving, there's happiness in that, that moment. The mind feels freed from any kind of suffering, even if it's temporary. It's a moment of freedom, a moment where you feel that natural happiness in, in the mind. In the actual giving, if you really pay attention, there is happiness there too. That's why it's said in in the Buddhist tradition that we try to give personally. We try to give right at that moment because that karmic act is stronger when you give it in the moment of giving. You really feel that moment of giving. It's not just stuffing something in an envelope uh, you know, that you get for the United Way and um, then you just put it in the mail. It's really being conscious like, I'm going to be, this is going to be a help to people. And I f my heart feels really happy that I can help these beings, even though I don't know them. And if you can give personally, that's even uh, the karmic uh, strength of that is even stronger. In Burma, not everybody can do this, but we always try to give directly to our teachers. And um, so that, and it's a real ceremony when we do this. Um, and when we give, we give with two hands. It's like we're giving with our whole hearts. So when you give something, you know, it's some book or something like that, when you give it to a friend or a teacher or you give your dana, you, you give 
you hold your right hand with your left, uh, your right arm with your left hand, and you give this way, fully, completely. It's like giving with your whole body. The karmic act is very strong that way. And so it's a very um, special place in the, in the tradition that we're all in. And I just want to give you, stories are always good, because I'll tell you these facts. And I know myself, you kind of get glazy-eyed or stare out into the distance and <laughs> not know what the heck is going on. But when I tell a story and you really know what's going on, you can see the story in your mind. So <laughs> I have this favorite, very favorite nun that um, we must have been sisters for a long time. Her name is Kamala also, and I met her. And um, she was the one who shaved my head when I became a nun. And uh, one of the ones, her, her, she's Kamalanyani. And um, so I had these few things at one of my last retreats that I went to. And I, and I thought ahead of time, I'm going to give these things to Kamalanyani. She's a doctor. She's a, and she's a very in, extraordinary heart and she earns the highest honors in Burma when she takes the exams about the sutta and about Abhidhamma and Pali. She has an incredible mind and very incredible inspiration to me. And so when I thought about giving to her, I said, I was so happy. I was going to give her my umbrella and the medicines because she's a doctor that I didn't use. And um, some, they wear pink robes, so anything pink I have, I was giving to her. And um, maybe some other things that I've forgotten. And so I uh, remembered that, and I feel very happy. And all during my retreat, the thought of giving to her made me happy. And so then there came the time that I was going to give to her. And I said, Kamalanyani, I have some things to give to you. So I want to take the time to give. And she said, yes, sister, it's very good that you give. And she was really putting it back to me again. Not, it's not about the gift. It's about the giving. Let's make a time. So we made a time. And it was um, very important that we make sacred that time. So we went to, in the monastery, we went to a certain place. And um, she said, she was sitting there, and she stood up, and she said, yes, sister. And I said, I have these things to give you. And they're very small, but I have them to give you. And I gathered them up, and I was giving them to her. And she said, um, sister, giving is not small. Intention. She said it in Pali, Chaitana, the intention is not small. And I really, you know, it really just went into my heart that that act of giving, the small, even the small things that I gave were so important. Not just for her happiness, because she's happy to receive, and, and mostly she's happy because of the act of giving and the sacredness that I hold it in my own heart. So now when I think, when I sit, and, you know, when I give, the instruction, I'm also taking it, to think of one's goodness. I think of that. And that happened in the past, but I think about it.
And I think, oh, I'm happy that I gave to her. And so this act of giving is a very sacred act. Whatever you do, I just urge you to pay attention. Bring it into your conscious awareness, not just willy-nilly about it. It's a great accomplishment to be able to do that. It will lead to the highest, as our teachers say. If you let go a little, you'll have a little peace. Uh, this, is, this has to do with your life in general and your giving of yourself in all ways. If you let go a little, you'll have a little peace. If you let go a lot, you'll have a lot of peace. If you let go completely, this means giving up greed, hatred, and delusion, you will have complete happiness and peace. So all of these are so important in, in our lives, remembering that we develop wisdom. It leads to the highest by doing this practice. During the time of the Buddhas, uh, the Buddha, he instructed his followers that no one was to charge for the passing on of his teachings because they were considered so priceless and they should be offered freely so that whoever wanted to listen could come. And I know that you have to pay to, for the place and the food, but that's not for the teachings. That's just pay the minimal amount for our transportation or transportation of any teacher who comes here. I'm not just speaking for ourselves. But for the teachings, they're off, always offered freely. And that also is because we are free to say anything as long, it's, as long as it's in accord with the Dharma. We're not just saying things that will make you feel good. The Dharma is not a feel-good teaching. Sometimes you don't feel good when you hear the teachings. And, that, and it challenges you, and we must be challenged. It's not a comfort thing. So, and that's why they're offered also freely. So for more than 2,500 years, uh, monks and nuns and teachers have relied on the generosity of the community of supporters for their living. And in Asia, this is a principle that is deeply ingrained in the culture. But when this culture came to the West, it isn't like uh, the culture in Asia where uh, monks and nuns uh, receive, and yogis there now too, of course, receive the benefit of those giving to feed and to offer um, a place to be. When you go to a retreat center in Asia, there's no charge at all for the food or for the stay. That's how it is. Um, and if you can give dana, then dana is gratefully received. So when it comes to the West, um, it's, a, it's a tricky thing, you know. We have to be truthful to you about how it is we live and um, why it is we live because of generosity. We live on this, in this, ra on this uh, path in this radical way. We, we don't have a job. Our job is to offer the, <coughs> offer the teachings and kind of it's a radical way of living. And so far we've done okay and all Dharma teachers who live in this way have, have done pretty well. Um, we have a house to sleep in, although we don't own it. Um, we're developing a hermitage and the nonprofit owns it. We have food to eat and 
we have a car to drive, but also we have all the payments to make. We're virtually, we're paying for the development of that hermitage um, in a big way, not in a small way. So everything that comes in goes out, and it's a circular thing. It isn't just doesn't just end here in making a bank account big. Um, there's something we have to really worry about sometimes, you know, about future. So uh, that's how it goes for those of us uh, like ourselves and others in the Dharma, other teachers who come here the same, in the same way like that. So how can we maintain the integrity of the Buddha's intentions uh, in the West and follow this principle of dana? It's um, it's not a small thing. So it's important to uh, be transparent about it all. There's a lot of financial uncertainty now, and it's brought our relationship with money to the forefront of our attention, perhaps provoking reactions such as fear, anxiety, disappointment, tendencies that you know are <coughs> deeply ingrained. And so, those are the places we bring our gentle attention to. And we have to be practical about our lives. What, what can we give in a way that um, promotes and really ingrains in us this feeling of generosity, where there is gratitude, but it's not where we're not going overboard, where we're having a balance. It's really important to keep that balance in our families, in our checkbooks, in our own lives. Now that I say checkbook, the first time I understood about Donna, I said, oh my gosh, I never thought about that. I just willy-nilly just gave something and not even thought. Sometimes I thought, oh well, if everyone gave $10, that's enough for them, you know. <laughs> I would think in that way. But then I thought, what does the Dhamma mean to me? What does it really mean to me? I had to really be serious about it. It's not a tip. Donna is not a tip. <laughs> it's about generosity, you know, and what is it, how, how can we give so that we feel generous and we're not just analyzing about things, you know, about how much to give, etc., or what everybody else is giving, not comparing ourselves or adding things up. Um, and so the first time I really thought about that, it was like, does the Dhamma mean to me like as much as a, um, a movie means to me? How much would I pay for a good meal? Is, how, do I, how do I weigh all that out? How much am I willing to pay for, for other things? And then how does the Dhamma come in relationship to all of that? It really really put my, my heart and mind to it, and not just willy-nilly. So the first time I gave, I wrote a check, and it was an overdraft on my bank account. So <laughs> you don't want to go there. I was so embarrassed when they told me, you know, my check had bounced. And then I really had to get real. So it, it's, it's about balance, and it's about looking closely. What, the, what does the Dhamma mean to you? And um, how does it how does it balance out with the where the other places you're willing to just let go, 
and give of yourself. And be real and honest with yourself. So how can we be engaged in a radical way to give us the opportunity to really practice coming to our hearts and minds and knowing what it is um, to give and to know what that feeling of generosity really is in ourselves. It's a powerful practice, and I really encourage you to ask yourselves what it means to you. It's not about how much you should give, but what does a practice mean to you? That's the question. What does a practice, what does a Dhamma mean to you? How can you honor the, that <coughs> ancient intention? How can we honor that? And also feel our gratitude for the Dhamma at the same time. So as you participate in this system of mutual support, supporting the Dhamma teacher, supporting you, coming back, and then the ability for to support again, uh, others again, and coming back into the community, to see it as this circle, this circle of goodness. Um, to you we give, from you we receive. And it goes on and on and on like that as the Buddha and all good people of the world have intended. So um, this is a teaching on Dana, And uh, if you have any questions, you feel free to just come up and ask us. If you want to be clear about anything uh, we're doing uh, with the Dana. So a few things from Tam. I just wanted to... Um Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.